Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. Tired of putting out fires in your life and at work? I've got a real firefighter on the show today to help you put out those stressful fires. Today on episode 22 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Dave Hollenbach. Dave has taken his years of national and public service, keeping us Americans safe, and translated that into success principles for our lives. Let's talk about the how-tos for alleviating the stress in our lives so that we don't have fiery obstructions in our personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. Stress, stress, stress. Feeling stressed out today? I hear you. I guess it's better than absolutely no stress where we aren't challenged. Then we tend to squirrel away to unproductive tasks and procrastinate the few things on our to-do list. And of course, it's better than the opposite, which is burnout, where you go numb from the repetitive poor response to stress. You don't care about anything and you just feel depressed or angry at what your life has become in this season. It's a difficult but a good goal to shoot for a life pace and a life response of optimal stress where you're in the zone with your tasks, usually your strengths, and you're humming on all cylinders, contributing in your relationships, you're moving paper and email and projects forward with purpose, yet it's shy of going into the red zone where you start getting irritated easily, losing your creativity, or having physical symptoms of too much stress. My guest today is Dave Hollenbach. Here's a little bit about Dave. Battalion Chief Dave Hollenbach, retired, is author of Fireproof, Your Grand Strategy for Transforming Failure into Fuel for Your Future. He's a motivational speaker, coach, and mentor, and owns and operates David Hollenbach Consulting and hosts the popular podcast From Embers to Excellence. He spent 23 years in the fire service and served in just about every role there. He's also a veteran of the U.S. Navy with a master's degree in public administration from Barry University. A major focus of research for his capstone was how strong positive leadership can influence the culture of a large organization. While studying at Barry, he published The Firefighter's Creed and Women in the Fire Service, A Diverse Culture Leads to a Successful Culture, an article highlighting the importance of gender diversity within the fire service in Fire Engineering Magazine. He has spent years as an instructor, coach, and mentor, helping others define and realize success. And although he no longer works as a servant to the community, his passion for service to others remains stronger than ever. And I was blessed to be on his podcast, From Embers to Excellence, and he graciously agreed to be on mine. So welcome, Dave. Thank you very much for having me, Paul. I appreciate it. 23 years in the fire service. And by the way, thank you for your service to our great country, as well as in the Navy. What few top lessons did you learn about leading yourself and others? Well, It's very hard to lead others if you don't lead yourself effectively. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, I, uh, I spent 
quite a few years making many mistakes, actually, you know, I, I don't think you ever stop making mistakes. Uh, it's just important that you learn from those. And um, some of the lessons that I, I talk about in, in my book are those lessons that, uh, well, in, in the fire service, and I've interviewed quite a few uh, veterans, combat veterans and law enforcement veterans, first responders and and the subject of PTSD often comes up. And uh, I myself had been diagnosed. And uh, I, I speak about that uh, particularly as being one of those elements that if you're struggling with the symptoms of PTSD, um, effective self-leadership includes taking care of yourself, going and getting help for those things so that uh, your decision-making processes are at their highest potential uh, rather than uh, deteriorated because of the issues that you're dealing with, lack of sleep, that sort of thing. So um, a lot of the mistakes that I made later on in my career, uh, you know, affected my life negatively. And I, and I talk about that in the book and, and those lessons learned. So. Yeah. Can you give an example of maybe from your own life or how a decision got altered because of those effects of PTSD where you weren't thinking uh, very clearly or you just weren't optimal, you know, in your place. And there was a, there was a consequence that happened as a result of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, struggling with PTSD, uh, a lot of the symptoms uh, include depression, anxiety, uh, nightmares, lack of sleep. And, and when you're struggling with those symptoms, there, there's this desire to, to feel better, obviously. So uh, in my case, I you know, sought out ways to feel better about myself and about life in general. And, you know, sometimes it was drinking too much or, um, you know, just decisions that were not wise in, in my personal life that then led to uh, an early retirement, um, not by my own decision, uh, although it was probably best because uh, I, I was struggling and I um, wasn't getting the help that I needed. And, and it kind of forced, forced those actions, but um, very valuable lessons learned through that. So it, it, what started off something that I managed very easily early on, but didn't want to be viewed as weak. Uh, just got worse and worse and and led to um, just my personal life deteriorating that then later uh, affected my my professional life in a very negative way. Thank you for your transparency in that Dave that that just been it must have been a very dark time and I'm, I'm assuming that your book uh, congratulations by the way on the book fireproof your grand strategy 
for transforming failure into fuel for your future. My guess is your motive for writing the book had a lot to do with what you just shared. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're pretty on. Uh, you know, I, I started writing the book uh, shortly after my my younger brother died in 2010. Mm. But the the concept was leadership in the fire service. It was just something that I was very passionate about, and I and I wanted um, to help other fire service professionals develop as leaders, and and I felt that was a good way of you know just establishing a pretty sound legacy in the fire service that I could be proud of and that my family could be proud of. And my brother left uh, a young son behind and I wanted to be able to tell him that, you know, look, your, your brother was a better man than me. And these are the things that I achieved. If I can do this, you know your bro- your father would have done better. That is the bloodline that you are a part of, and you should be proud of it. Well, you know, ten years later, I <laughs> I really wasn't living up to that aspiration, and things fell apart. Um, but there's that that mindset where I realized there was this, this opportunity to use that experience um, in a way that would mean something, um, use that experience to, well, not allow that experience to define me, but use it to refine me. Um, and in in doing that, I, I was thinking about all the the leadership lessons that I've been teaching for the last 10 years, 12 years, and really examining my life. Like I really haven't been living what I've been teaching. I need to start applying these things. And and when I did, things started getting a lot better. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and I had been doing a lot of reading, soul searching, you know, here I had spent the last 23 years identifying as this fire service professional, um, a firefighter, a, a chief officer. Uh, I, I was all of a sudden no longer a part of the fire service and questioning who in the world am I? Uh, so I, I turned inward and, and began reading a lot of philosophy and just uh, really trying to figure out who, who am I? And, and I, I walk people through that same process in my book. And it's, it's the starting off with really determining who you are, defining who you are, understanding what your values are, what is truly important to you uh, so that you can better understand that you aren't your occupation. Um, You aren't your job. That is just how you express your values. And you can express those values in so many different ways. Uh, you you don't need to lock yourself into one mold. 
There, there are many roads that will take you to where you want to go. Yeah, so good. And, and to have, I think those kind of lessons come best from someone who has lived that journey, who's gone through it, came through the other side. Congratulations on that too, right? Because you could have stayed down. You could have uh, crawled away in defeat, but instead you went inward. You did the hard work of figuring out who you were and what was important to you and that you were not your work and uh, came through the other side to be able to share that with the rest of us. So kudos to you, Dave. Thanks. There, there's a, I mean, there's, there's so many other people that, that have gone before me that, that I've leaned on. Um, you know, I, I just, I like to just consider myself, you know, one of the people that, that learn from them. And just kind of sharing my own interpretation of things that have already been figured out. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, we don't have enough time to make all the mistakes ourselves. <laughs> so that's one of the benefits of reading. Uh, and so, listeners, if you're not a reader, I would say make that one of your personal goals this year uh, to read about people that are further down the journey than you are, or wrestling with the same thing you are, and have uh, kicked that to the curb and uh, are living victoriously. And uh, so then you started a podcast. You wrote a book, you started a podcast from Embers to Excellence. I enjoyed being on that. How did that start? Well, the the podcast was actually a way for me to, well, meet really interesting people that have um, really, succeeded as leaders in their own field. And, and I've interviewed quite a few people that are professionals in, uh, you know, the mental health arena that their specialties are in, in PTSD, treating the symptoms of PTSD, different modalities. Um, but all these different areas of leadership that to, to be, a well-rounded leader, you you can't just focus on one area of leadership. You've got to look at all the different aspects, uh, and and so I, I try and interview people from all walks of life that have experienced different things, um, because you know me and you talking about our experiences. Our experiences are so much different than. Than, than somebody that grew up um, in, I don't know, the, the inner city, let's say the inner city, um, even, you know, struggled with homelessness, things like that. But I, I've been able to interview people that have overcome those, those uh, challenges Um you know, that were born into it and, you know, they could have been that, that story of, Oh, just another statistic, but they saw that there was another way and they sought out ways of overcoming their situation. And it's incredible. It's inspiring. And, and so I like to interview those individuals so that the people that are in the place that they were in have somebody that they can look to and go, okay, 
that guy is speaking my language or that woman is speaking my language. They know what I, what I've been uh, going through and, and I can relate. And so it was a way for me to understand more, to learn more and, and to be able to share with the people that I wasn't exactly familiar with. Yeah, it's great. It's great to hang around overcomers too, isn't it? I mean, they just they just rise. They say a rising tide lifts all boats. So if you if you hang out with those who are rising, it just pulls you up, pulls your mood up, your morale up. Um, it gives you hope that no matter what you're going through, someone has has overcome this, and they might have even had greater odds than you do at this moment. So yeah, I love hanging around overcomers because uh, it's a choice every day. And uh, they made some very difficult choices to turn their lives around. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's that's so cool. Podcast hosting is is a blast, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's free coaching for us too. I like to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about stress a little bit more, Dave. So, can you tell us a? Uh, well, I you know when I hear about firefighters, police officers, you know those in the armed forces, I always like. I want to hang around you because you've got cool stories. <laughs> Can you tell us a quick story about one of your most stressful situations as a firefighter and how you handled that stress? And it could be you handled it well, you handled it terribly, you handled it ugly, you know, whatever. But uh, tell us a quick story and how you handled that stress. Well, um, there, there's something to be said for training and, uh, and training very hard. And, and train with the people that you're going to work day in and day out with. Uh, because if you're leading them, they need to know you and you need to know them, their strengths and weaknesses, and they need to know your strengths and weaknesses and, and work really hard at, at developing one another. Um, it's not just the leader developing the team. The, the team has just a, as much of a role in developing the leader. Um, and case in point is this particular story. Uh, and it's funny enough, I, I write about it in the book. Um, one of the most senior lieutenants that I had in my battalion, he was approaching retirement very quickly. And it's one of those stories of, you know, the guy that has only a couple shifts left and is faced with you know, the most dangerous scene of their career. Uh, and thankfully, uh, nobody died. Uh, but this was a, a very large apartment fire, uh, three-story building. I mean, I, I want to say there was probably 40 units in this particular building, you know, two and three bedroom apartments. And the fire was, it started in the attic and um, it ended up in the walls and moving through the attic pretty rapidly. It was caused by a lightning strike and it affected the wiring. And uh, that, that doesn't really matter. It was a really bad fire. <laughs> and uh, I was, I was not as close as another battalion chief. That other battalion chief arrived on scene, but was requesting more 
resources. So I knew that I needed to get there rather quickly. And uh, I arrived on scene as crews were uh, setting up hose lines on the third floor. And and when I arrived, the the fire was through the roof. Uh, They were setting up the truck company, you know, uh, the truck company has got the, the ladder, big ladder off the back of the truck. And there's uh, the, the master stream, elevated master stream, very large nozzles can flow up to thousand gallons a minute from, from that uh, platform. But there has to be a really good coordination before you start flowing that people can't be under where that hose stream is going to hit. So the coordination has to take place, but on incidents where conditions are changing rapidly, there's a lot of radio traffic. Uh, When I arrived on scene, the incident commander, the battalion chief that arrived there before me, he directed me to go to the third floor and be Division three. So I was in charge of all the resources on the third floor. So I got up there and I started uh, talking with the lieutenant, the lieutenant I was telling you about. There was so much radio traffic that I could not communicate with the command post. Every time I keyed up the radio, it just, it's called bonking, just makes a a tone. So I let you know that you can't communicate. Well, I knew they were getting ready to flow the master stream and I was trying to get the crews on the third floor to move to the the second floor to a safe spot. Uh, And the visibility was pretty low. The the smoke was getting worse and the heat was getting worse. Uh, I knew that the fire was uh, right above us, we were in the in the breezeway at the top of the stairwell, and the lieutenant that I had been talking to, he knew that he had directed crews to go into the units at the back of the building, on the other end of the breezeway. So he's like, "I'm going to go make sure that they're down." And as he was walking through the breezeway. There was some communication that led the truck company lieutenant to believe that it was time to flow that master stream. And a lot of water went into the space above us and the roof came in. And I just happened to be standing in a space that was protected by beams above me. And the entire breezeway collapsed in Uh, everything went black and then orange. Uh, And I couldn't see the lieutenant anymore. And it was uh, one of the scariest things. Um, I I thought I just lost one of my really good friends, a mentor. And uh, he he actually did make it to the second floor. The, The roof, when it came in, it did hit him, but it was just like an edge of it. It knocked him down, but he, he was able to crawl out from underneath it to the other side, but I had no visibility. Um, and so the, the stress of that, 
was immense. Uh, and it's very easy to get tunnel vision and only focus on one thing. Having been in situations that are very stressful, I knew what I needed to do. I needed to take a step back, take a couple of really good deep breaths and try and look at the big picture, what needed to happen. And I was then able to communicate because everybody saw the roof come in. And I think everybody on the scene stopped what they were doing to look and see if everybody was okay. So I was actually able to communicate and direct the master stream over the breezeway, cooled that area. The smoke kind of cleared a little bit. I was able to see that I couldn't see anybody's helmet laying on the ground or it, I, I didn't know if they were covered by all the debris. I, I walked down to the second floor and started a par, which is a personal personnel accountability, um, making sure that everybody that was there in my control um, was accounted for. And I was able to get that information and confirm that everybody was okay. And we went back to work, but could have went much differently. The, the lesson out of that, it's very easy for somebody that's inexperienced. It's happened to me before Yeah, where everything is just information overload. What do you do now? Yeah. Well, I'm going to pause the story right there, uh, Dave. We're going to take a quick break as we all go, whoa, that was that was scary, <laughs> scary story. You are listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. You can find out more about me, Paul D. Casey on LinkedIn, and my guest, Dave Hollenbach, as well on LinkedIn. We'll be right back after the break. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. Welcome back. 
Wow, we just heard a, it's, it felt like the movies, like this was a, a surreal experience, but it is real life. Dave Hollenbach talking about one of the scariest moments that he had as a firefighter. And uh, so so Dave, you had just done this this uh, personal, what'd you call it, accountable, where you're tracking to make sure everybody made it out, right? Uh, what What lessons did you learn then on the backside of that experience? Well, it's it's lessons that I've taught in the leadership courses that I've taught. Uh, when you're teaching incident command, they're, they're lessons that I personally learned and try to pass on. Um, and, and I've been able to apply those lessons in my own life, in my personal life, because you, you don't have to be on a fire scene to experience stress. Right. Um, there's, there's a, a few tools that I reference there. One of them is the CAN report. CAN is an acronym for conditions, actions, and needs. When you're in this high stress environment, the incident commander would, uh, you know, can request the CAN report from the interior officer. But it's also a tool that you use as the incident commander. What are my current conditions? What actions are underway right now? And what needs do I have? What resources am I going to need in addition to what I already have in order to bring this uh, incident, this scenario, this situation to uh, an ideal close? So... As you can imagine, you can apply that in so many different areas. However, when you are in this uh, heightened state of awareness, uh, sometimes, you know, some people call it being triggered. Some people um, understand that it's, you know, that fight, flight or freeze response where you're parasympathetic nervous system is activated, your reptilian brain takes over and your prefrontal cortex where the good logic decision-making processes are made, uh, the, the reptilian brain takes over and there is no more logic. And you start this, this hypervigilance towards maybe uh, one task or, or one one thing that's in your view, you focus on that and everything else goes to the wayside to the detriment of the overall scene. And that happens in, in our personal lives. We focus on one thing and, and we can't see what's going on in the big picture. Uh, the way to uh, be able to recognize the need to assess and and get that CAN report um, is made easier by what I would call a tactical pause. And that tactical pause would include me, if I were the incident commander, taking a physical step back away from the command board, looking up and taking some deep breaths. Um, If... I had the wherewithal to do it because sometimes you, you just not, you're just not there, but everybody has to breathe 
And if you can focus on your breathing for a second, it, it definitely helps. It helps you bring yourself back to present and you'd be amazed at how your, your view can, can broaden. Um, but there's uh, box breathing is one technique of, of really bringing your attention to your breath and, and coming back into the present to where you can start evaluating the big picture. So box breathing is essentially you, you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, you breathe out for four seconds, and you hold that for four seconds, and you repeat it four times. It takes roughly 60 seconds, and it's incredible how well it works. So those three tools are tools that I teach for handling stress in high-stress environments. Um, and And... Those were some things that I I went over in the uh, after action review. After you know large incidents, some people call it a tailboard critique. Some people call it a round robin or whatever you want to call it. But it's evaluating the situation that you were just in. What things went well, what things didn't go so well, what are the takeaways? How could, if we had the same call 20 minutes from now, how could we do it a lot better? And even if it went really well, there's always things that you can do better. So um, the, the lessons learned and just sharing that, that brief moment of panic where you have to get recentered, sharing the tools with with the rest of the people on scene. Um, those were, you know, that was that was part of that conversation. So, a lot of a lot of great tools there. The uh, the can report uh, when you're in the middle of something. The just uh, current conditions, actions underway, and the needs that I have to get this to a good conclusion. The tactical pause. Uh, where you physically, you know, break that state that you're in by stepping back, the box breathing to uh, get that frontal lobe reconnected again. Because yes, I, I, I've seen many people in panic, and I've probably been in panic before, where you do lose track of the big picture, and it is to the detriment of everything else, and usually everybody else around you when they're just like, "You're not here for me right now," uh, and I, and I need you, or. Uh, uh, yeah, some of those commitments are falling by the wayside, and there are serious consequences to that, of course, in business and in relationships. And then the after-action review, I've heard about that for many years, and uh, that is great to do in business after you've been through a, a season. could be like just quarter one or quarter two. It could be for whatever your big stressful event is or fundraiser that you were a part of. It could be after your family went to Disneyland, you know, it could be anytime, but it's on the back end of an event where you say what went well, what didn't go well, what are our takeaways and lessons learned so that when we encounter situations similar to this, we're going to be better. So Dale, those are, those are great suggestions. PTSD is real. And if, if we were, with a friend and uh, or a family member, and we suspected they might have PTSD. What would be some of the signs and symptoms to look for? Well, I, I'm not a clinician. Uh, I have to put that up front. Sure, sure. But there there are guidelines laid out 
to for a diagnosis of PTSD, but some indications that you might want to encourage them to, to seek professional help would be, you know, mood swings, uh, changes in behavior, uh, negative outlook on life, um, depression or anxiety, uh, the, the more frequent or an increased use of, uh, alcohol or even drugs, um, maybe an increase in, in risky behavior, uh, sleep disruptions, whether it's nightmares or just not sleeping, um, and it can be the other way if they're sleeping more than they ever have before. Uh, that's a big indication of depression. <clears throat> um, so those are all things that that can clue you in. Um, but it's it's difficult for somebody on the outside to relate to somebody that is struggling with a, a horrific incident. Um, and that, you know, within the department that I worked for, uh, we had peer, peer counselors that were trained in critical incident stress debriefing. Um, I had been trained in that, uh, <clears throat> and it was up to the company officer or really anybody on the crew that felt that it was necessary to have a debrief where you would get everybody that was on that scene to come together and, and talk about it and really have an open forum to express what they may have been feeling, what it is that they saw. If it is anger, um, if it was fear, if it was, disgust or just you know there there's there's times when the emergencies that we run on include uh, destructive forces whether it's man-made or things like that you know and and there, there were times when you would see what people, what people are capable of doing to other people. And in those moments, when you arrive on scene and you see the after effects, it's common to experience a lot of anger and even hate towards the perpetrator. Yeah. Um, and to be able to talk about that and really know that you're not alone. That part of it is really making everybody aware that they are not isolated, that they're in it together. They're all, if they're not experiencing issues right now, they may. Uh, it may take 24 hours before they start experiencing uh, some symptoms of that traumatic event. But it's important to recognize that it's normal for you to experience that kind of stuff. 
Um, and in in these occupations, like you know, public safety or even uh, within the military, there there remains a stigma that if you were to go get help or express that you're struggling with something, um, that you're somehow weak. Um, and I think that's a self-imposed stigma, um, but it, it's a feeling that is real, that prevents people from getting help that they need. And, uh, and quite frankly, I, I can speak from experience. I avoided getting help for a long, long time uh, because I didn't want people to think that I was weak. Yeah. And all those years that you didn't get help, it just kept, like you said, getting worse and worse, right? Instead of running to the ambulance, you were running away from the ambulance, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you would recommend if you see those signs in a friend, a family member, or in yourself, to definitely go towards the help. And because you've got to talk about it, you've got to identify the feelings that you're probably stuffing down inside, and it's just eating you from within. So you've got to get help. And like you said, we're not, we're not clinicians, but um, if you see those symptoms, definitely try to refer someone to someone who can help in those situations. Asking for help is a strength, not a weakness. And I think we all as podcast hosts have to keep preaching that message. So it gets out to the most, uh, the broadest group that we can uh, influence. Well, Dave, I started asking you questions about stress. We start with some pretty heavy issues. Let's go to our day-to-day lives at work and and in life. We get hit with stressful circumstances regularly. Would you give us some tips for having the right mindset toward them as they come at us? Hopefully that we can even get ahead of it by just training our brain. And and these are tools that I, I took straight from Stoic philosophy, and, and I think you can find it in other philosophies as well, but really identifying those things that we have control over yes. and the things that we don't have control over. Uh, I, I found that it's very easy to occupy our brain power with things that we have zero control over. And, and just like stay there in this negative state, complaining about things that there's nothing that we can do about. Um, or even if there is something that we could do and influence uh, the situation, we're really not willing to because it could put us in, in another stressful situation. So like if that's the, if that's the scenario, it's best to focus on what we do have control over. And that is how we behave towards that situation, uh, the behavior from others, whatever it is. If we can focus on our own response and not worry too much about the things that we don't have control over, things get a lot easier. Yeah, so true. I mean, it's like, let's just take, for instance, gas prices. Like, so if I don't know if you're listening to this way in the future, but we're recording this in May of 2022, and it's going up like a dime a week uh, right now. If you focused on uh, gas prices and how awful it is, it would be powerless, right? You'd just be getting angry at something. There probably is something we can control, and that would be our response to 
what are we going to do about that? Right. Would that be a, would that be a, um, an example of what you're talking about? Like we can't control the, the macro, but we can control our response to the macro by maybe not traveling as much or using, using our bikes more or whatever we need to do and respond a positive response to that stress. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Any, anything else we can do to be prepared to be more resilient for stressful circumstances as they come at us so we don't react poorly? Well, something that is key is, I mean, really taking care of our, our physical bodies mm-hmm. because our, our minds, our brain power is directly connected to our physical bodies and if we're not eating right, sleeping right, uh, exercising, getting enough sunshine, our, our bodies suffer. And it doesn't have to be you know some crazy amount of exercise, but sleep is one of the most important things. And yes. if and this is one of the things that was really stressed when I was going through um the the treatment that I had to go through for my PTSD uh, because I wasn't sleeping and it affected everything. Yeah. Um, and you can respond more effectively when your brain is working correctly. And if you've had enough rest and a lot of people nowadays feel like, Oh, you know, five hours, six hours, you know, I'm good. And it's kind of a badge of honor, but no, you're not because you could actually operate so much better with so much more brain power if you got eight, nine hours of sleep at night. Here. And I, I know that's difficult for a lot of people because we're burning our candle at both ends. Um, but we have to prioritize our health. We do. Uh, physical and uh, mental and emotional, all connected. Spiritual, I'd throw in there as well. And uh, oh, you mentioned the uh, uh, the Stoics. Uh, I don't know if you're a Ryan Holiday fan. I don't know if you've read his books, uh, yeah, uh, the obstacle is the way is one that I've read this last year that I would recommend. And you can just hear by the title, the obstacle is the way. That sounds counterintuitive, but uh, it's going to help you focus on what you can control and a whole bunch of other ways to be more resilient. And taking care of our physical bodies, yeah, that badge of courage of uh, not being, not needing enough sleep, uh, or I'm going to sleep when I die. No, <laughs> well, I guess yes, but but you're actually hurting <laughs> yourself now, big time, and you're hurting all those around you. You're hurting your productivity, uh, like you said. If you have a non-fuzzy brain, if you've got that clarity in your brain, uh, you're going to make better decisions, and that's going to help everyone as well as yourself. If there were um, others around us and we just see a slight overwhelm on them, or even someone comes up to us at work and says, man, I'm just overwhelmed these days or someone that we love. What, uh, what can we do to help them? I I think first and foremost, be present for them. Yeah. Um, Listen first Mm -hmm. and, and just try and understand what it is that they're experiencing. Um, and if they are asking for help, because maybe they're not asking for your input or help, they just need to unload a little bit. Um, that's pretty important. 
because if you want them to keep on coming back and, and sharing what their difficulties are, maybe not impose how well you understand them, you know, <laughs> um, you know, we've all been there. Like you start mm-hmm. to express some dissatisfaction with the current situation and the person you're talking to, Oh, well, that's nothing. I had this. And um, so, yeah, first and foremost, be present. And, and if they are asking for help, then, then that's your cue to, to say, well, here are some tools that you might think about implementing to help you in this situation. And if there is anything that you can do to, to help them with their load, then if appropriate, do so. Yeah, I, is, is that kind of like the the line of thinking that you were going? Oh yeah, uh, that that giving unsolicited advice. There's actually a book called "Stop Giving Advice." I think the author is Michael Bungay Stanier, and that's the name of the book. Stop giving away. We're just so tempted to um, try to fix everybody around them, and people are not problems to be fixed. So I really appreciate your comment of you know go in with a like sort of a curious mindset and listen first and just be there. Uh, I wouldn't say that I've got the uh, spiritual gift of mercy because <laughs> well, I don't know what to say oftentimes in those situations. You know, you don't want me the one that's visiting you in the hospital because uh, I I just don't know what to say. And then then I would maybe give it by, well, you could try this. And I'm thinking if I were in the hospital, what would I do? You know, and it's just ludicrous to instead of just be with them. And um, that presence is so comforting. And unless they ask for help, and again, if you can relieve their load, I think, uh, I know uh, if you've heard of the, the five love languages, you know, one of mine is acts of service. And if someone takes something off of my plate when I'm in a state of overwhelm, I just want to give them a hug, like, thank you for relieving the load. So if you have that compassion inside of you, which we all could turn up a little bit more nowadays, uh, try to do something to relieve their load. I think that's a great, that's a great tip. Well, Dave, what uh, what do you want to promote for our listeners' personal leadership development? Uh, you can, again, plug your, your book and podcast, or if there's other resources that you'd like to point us toward. Well, my, my website is hollenbachleadership.com. I, I do coaching. Um, my book is available on my website. If you order from my website, which is the only place that you can get it right now. Uh, the official release is October 11th okay. of this year, 2022. Um, up until that point, the only place you can get my book is on my website. And if okay. you order it from my website, I will sign it and send it to you personally. Um, <clears throat> uh, but then, you know, October 11th, it'll be available internationally, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that. Uh, there are resources on my website, books that I recommend uh, about leadership. Uh, there, there is a resources page where there are tools for veterans and first responders and just people that are curious ab- about PTSD. Um, there are links there where people can, can talk to professionals Um hotlines. And and I would encourage anybody that is either struggling with PTSD or knows of somebody that's, that's possibly struggling with PTSD uh, to, 
check out those resources on there. Um, the links you can copy and paste in an email and send to somebody. Uh, but it's all valuable information. And uh, one thing that we didn't touch on is the ACE study. And I just want the listeners to understand that the statistics out there are such that over 90% of people walking around today have experienced some, some form of adverse childhood experience, some, some trauma, and it affects us in our adult lives. And people that have had multiple adverse childhood experiences are predisposed to uh, experiencing PTSD. So with that being said, those individuals out there that are listening that, you know, have had a rough childhood, uh, you're not alone. There's, there's more people out there than you yeah. would think. So. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dave. Uh, HollenbachLeadership.com. And appreciate all the value you added today. And going there to a difficult subject and sharing the lessons you learned with all of our listeners has been a blessing. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I have a few takeaways from Dave today. Um, of course, the, the, the tactical pause to step back, take the deep breaths, do the box breathing when you're in a stressful situation. Remember that your struggles don't define you, but they refine you. And uh, also focusing on what we can control, and our, which is our own response, and taking care of our physical body so we're better able to be resilient. I really appreciate you listening to episode 22. Hope you've told your Achiever friends about this podcast. Please spread the word to those who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well, as Dave said at the start of the podcast. Until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel. 